It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. You're listening to The Best of the One with Greg Gutfeld. April 19th, 2017. I'm talking to Scott Adams, who is, you know, the legendary cartoonist who created Dilbert. But what's interesting about Scott Adams is not what he's created. It's kind of what who what he's become, which is kind of an unusual political public intellectual, which I don't know if you accidentally back into back into that position, Scott, um, if you saw it coming. But what happened was you pretty much predicted how. Uh, the whole political election went, how the season went, while people were either snarking at you and saying you're, you you didn't know what was going on, and yet it all it all occurred according to your plan. And um, I found out about you by act, kind of by accident, in the sense that I I was listening to a lecture by a guy who suggested a book by uh, Cialdini, Influence. So I go and I buy the book. And I read it and I go, wow, this sounds a lot like Trump. So I write these three articles for Fox News about Trump and influence and I post them. And this guy tweets at me, you should probably go read Scott Adams. And I go, hmm. And so I go to look and I go, so everything that I thought I'd come to conclusions about, you'd already reached a long time ago. And my stuff looked incredibly stale and stupid. And I'm like, wait, everything I thought was an epiphany Scott Adams had already written about. I enjoy your um, your periscopes too because I find them oddly soothing. Uh, they're kind of like, um, and I turn them on. You kind of walk your way through kind of a blunt, practical philosophy of, of of persuasion, or you even talk about philosophy. Like you'll talk about the philosophy of success. Um, for example, you talk about how. Goal – like I, I agree with – I've never had a goal in my life and you've written basically a book on this and you've done – I've seen talks of yours where you will talk about how goals are bad, systems are far superior or systems are good, goals are bad. And I wonder if you could just expand on that because I, 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 I've been following that all my life but no one's ever explained it. So goals are good in a situation where you either have a constrained artificial situation. So let's say a bowling tournament. Yeah. You know, the goal is to win the tournament. All right, that's good. It's good to have a goal. But in the real world, uh, what's happening even next week is so unpredictable yeah. that even if you had a goal, chances are you wouldn't like that same goal next week. Things are changing. So when you have a complicated, ever-changing environment, what you want to do is simply increase your odds of being successful in the most possible ways. So one of those systems that I talk about is the talent stack, Mm -hmm. stacking up the talents uh, that make sense together, not just random things you've learned, but they they make sense as as a combination. Because then you go into the world with a whole bunch of options, and the world will eventually serve up something that looks pretty good. Mm -hmm. So if you if you play a system, you're increasing your odds of success no matter what happens. Right. And that, that's probably good in a chaotic environment. Yeah. And it, it, when you think about it, it makes complete sense. I also find that, like, goals – goals make you feel terrible if you don't, <laughs> if you don't meet them. Yeah. And, the, whole, the, whole, the whole time you're working toward a goal, you're in a state of pre-failure or, <laughs> yes. or, or haven't quite succeeded. 
but a system would be something like the one I'm, I'll be using today, mm-hmm. which is I, I always do something active, whether I call that going to the gym or cleaning the garage, and I don't make an exception, no matter how I feel. Mm-hmm. So, so that makes me feel successful every day. Right. And there are days, there are days when I literally drive to the gym, walk into the gym, stand there in the, the center of the, the lobby, and I look around and say, nope. Yeah. And I just turn, I literally turn directly around and walk out to my car and drive home. But I don't feel like a failure because yeah. my system is to try to do something every day. Yeah. So the system is on is on track, mm-hmm. and in the long run, that always pays off. You know, it's like uh, when I when I was much younger in my twenties. Every time I sat down to write, the goal was to get published, which was stupid. When the goal or the system is, you just get up and write a little bit, just write and write anything, yeah. and and right. sooner or later, it happens. You know? Yeah, the, the system is gradual improvement. Yeah. That's, that's always going to make you feel good. Yeah, I mean, the, the show I did, Red Eye, was so awful in the beginning, but I had to show up and do it every day. Gradually, it got better. But it was just like the idea that you were going to step in and do an amazing show is an impossibility. Most things fail. <laughs> yes. Just, just, just period, right? Yeah. Uh, that's the end. I didn't need to finish that. Just <laughs> most things fail. That's true. So. So if you're going into if you're attacking life as uh, I'm going to make these things succeed every time, you're going to have a terrible experience. But if you're thinking that every failure, if chosen wisely, makes you smarter for the next project, you know, at least you learn something. You made some connections while you were failing. Right. It's not, it's not really the same kind of failure. Yeah. So, so, for example, now I'm building a studio upstairs to do some YouTube stuff, doing what you're doing now. Yeah. And. I'm failing like crazy. For two months, I haven't been able to get this stuff to work. The technology is just baffling. But I'm going to come away with this with a whole new set of skills that work really well with the other stuff I do. So there is no failure path given the system I'm using. You know, I, I fail at, uh, at smoking pot, and I bring this up to you because of that amazing three-hour podcast you did with Joe Rogan. I don't know how Joe Rogan, by the way, can do a three-hour podcast. I, I don't understand it unless he is high all the time. But you got high with him, and you made it. You made it a very important. The whole podcast was great, and I encourage everybody to find it. What's frustrating? What was frustrating for me is what you said is that you don't encourage people to smoke it because not everybody can smoke it. I'm one of those people. I cannot enjoy. Uh, marijuana, and I find that to be like such an injustice because it seems like possibly the most relaxing thing after watching that podcast. Well, let me just say this about that. I, again, I do not recommend yeah. that anybody try any any illegal drugs because I'm not a doctor, and you should have a doctor telling you these things. Yes, but but it is nonetheless true that there are lots of different varieties of marijuana, and they're very different. Mm-hmm. So if so, if you got the wrong kind for your personality or what you were trying to accomplish. It would be a bad experience. Yeah, I had I've had those bad experiences. And I had I had good ones back in the day when it was very weak. Like in the late seventies, I was in like uh, grade school or well, ju- let's say junior high and high school, and it was the worst. And, and marijuana was you bought it by the joint. It cost a dollar, and it was probably parsley. You were probably cheated by a junior in high school, but n- nothing bad ever happened. But then later in life, the stuff is like. On steroids, it's like crazy. I'm terrified of it. Well, the the big thing though is, yet 
were you aware that there are two main types? One keeps you awake and happy and creative, and the other puts you asleep. So if you're looking for one effect and getting the other other one, you're you're going to be pretty unhappy. Yeah, it just made me hyper paranoid. So I don't know which one it is, but I thought I was going to die. I just immediately <laughs> I went went from total relaxation to I I think I'm going to die. So as a favor to all my friends, I just don't do that drug, that drug. But uh, I was listening to your. Uh, I think it was your Periscope yesterday, and I was really interested in your theories on eternity and will humans live forever and that sort of thing. And you were talking about the integration of, say, like uh, chips into into the human brain. But you said something that I thought was interesting. You could live forever but without consciousness, which you don't mind because you felt that consciousness was overrated. I've never heard anybody – so how can you live forever without consciousness? Well, a, a software simulation of you mm-hmm. that acted like you and had the same preferences and, and went on, even maybe in a physical form, if it someday is ported to a robot body, mm-hmm. would be you for all practical purposes, but not the parts that you care about and have an emotional connection to. Right. Right. So I think consciousness probably is little more than the ability to forecast what is going to happen to you personally next in the next moment, mm-hmm. and then compare what you thought was going to happen to what happened. Right. So that that difference is pretty much just your consciousness. Mm-hmm. And you could certainly program that into a computer to say, well, with given what I know, I think this will happen next. Oh, it didn't. How do I feel about that? This makes me stressful. This makes me whatever. So you could program that, I think. Wow. I, I That's amazing. <laughs> All right, Scott. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I hope uh, one day if you ever get out here to come do the, the show. But I know you're too comfortable in California. I'll get out there one of these days, and I'll, I'll do that. April 11th, 2018. Dr. Sandra Lee is called Dr. Pimple Pop. She has... 3.6 million subscribers on YouTube. That is bigger than most cable news show audiences. She has 891 videos out there that have exceeded over 1.5 billion. 1.5 billion views. It's a phenomenon. It's like one of those rock bands in the 70s that never had any airplay but sells out wherever it goes, and you don't know why. It's because of word of mouth. TLC has now announced a full series with hour-long episodes based on Dr. Lee because of this crazy phenomenon. I mean, it's in, it's not. She has uh, uh, like something like three million other followers on Instagram. I mean, this is insane. Um, Dr. Sandra Lee is with me. Dr. Lee, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. You make me feel proud to be a popaholic here with your what you talking what you're talking about. This is so strange to me that that so many women know this and other people don't, and that to me is a sign of a, of an of a of, of an unusual phenomenon. I mean, how did yeah, this it, happen? It, it, it's strange to me too, honestly. Yes. It's happened in the last three years, just mm-hmm. three short years, and it's grown to this. And who would have thought that? I have a show on TV now because of this, because of pimple popping. Exactly. And by the way, I know that there are probably viewers uh, and listeners who are listening to this and just grossed out by this idea. But you have to understand, for every one of you that's grossed out, there's two other people that know what we're talking about. That's why. So why are some people, Dr. Lee, why are some people grossed out like me? I'm grossed out. But then Nora, say hi, Nora. Hi. Nora is one of our producers. <laughs> hi, Nora. Is, is completely addicted to your videos. Why is it that women don't have a problem with this as much as men do? 
I don't really know uh, exactly, but I have some ideas about it. I mean, it is uh, if you see the demographics of the people who follow me, it's it's it is seventy five percent women. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I see a lot of people, a lot of people who are estheticians or nurses or you know deal with skin, mm-hmm. uh, tend to um, love these sorts of videos. And uh, it, 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 there's a lot of different theories. I mean, the fact that you know what's interesting, and I think Nora may uh, agree with this. Is in general, it makes people who like to watch these videos, it makes them happy, 100%. it makes them content and relaxed. People watch these as their bedtime stories, like on a nightly basis. It's like cathartic. It feels yeah, good. It's cathartic. It's like something releasing. It's like um, something that's not supposed to be there, and right. you're getting rid of it, and it's in a very calm, sterile, clean manner. And so it makes you feel good This that just, something's going back to where it should be. This just blows my mind. And I have to say, I mean, it is – it reminds me, okay, is this what pornography would be for men or is it is that is that an unfair parallel? Uh, um, well, I do I do group them into start, you know, soft pops versus hard pops. <laughs> oh, my God. Say, yeah, and we say, you know, in a way – in a way, your people have been in the past hiding, mm-hmm. and I just realized this in the last three years. People were hiding their their like for this, right? And they were hiding behind, you know, under their covers or you know, um, by themselves in their own room. Yeah. And now they're kind of proud to say they're they're not they're not shy because they found their other people. They right. found other people that like this too, and they realize they're not alone. Pimple popping people. Yeah, and it's interesting that this is actually why it grew quickly. The right. fact is is that it, it created a lot of emotion in people who watch it, whether it be that they would really like it, obsession, versus mm. complete disgust. Because either way, they would tag their friends. Right. So you know, that's how it grew. So you uh, – and this leads me to a, a bigger question because I'm still – Absolutely befuddled by the appeal. I because like I've tried to look at them and I can't. I don't. I, you got to start you off with a soft pop. Yes, you gotta start what? off slow. I do think that it has. I, I I go back. You know, I read a lot of evolutionary psychology, evolutionary biology books. I do think women have a stronger stomach for such things because they're more nurturing than men. They yeah, have to like deal a with these thing too. Right. I think. Yeah, that's a good point. Grooming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you why? Um, how do people get beyond? In general, in med school, get beyond squeamishness. Do 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 med school students actually drop out because they can't handle it, or do they do they finally? I think they become like, you know, psychiatrists, or yeah. you know, there's different <laughs> things in there that you don't like to deal with blood, right? You know, uh, or that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, I think. Uh, um, I mean, I would think that if you couldn't stand the sight of blood, I wouldn't even think you'd consider medical school. So right. I'm sure you get, you know, you, you get eliminated at that point. And for me, my father was a dermatologist, so I would have te- we would have textbooks sitting around the house oh my. with the most crazy yes. pictures in it. It just became normal to me, you know. My dad would be reading a journal with somebody with some growth coming out of their head, and I'd be eating <laughs> breakfast next to him. So. It's And it's just like, you know, it's it's – I worked at a magazine in the 1990s called Prevention Magazine. I was their fitness mm-hmm. editor. And this was before the internet. And we had giant books like this and also derma- der- dermatological journals. Yeah. Like I guess it would be called like dermatology or skin. Yeah. And I subscribed to them because I had to write about stuff. And you're – I mean I got kind of inured to it. I mean I could I, – and I – you know I looked at these things I, and it's like it's amazing the variability – of human of, – of, of disorders right. and, and things that can happen to people. It's so sad. It's it is. And I think the thing that people like about it too 
is that we treat it like there are things that look very abnormal, and we, we can relate to it because we all know what skin looks like. You, right. know, you don't know what a diseased heart or colon looks like, but mm-hmm. we know when something is not right on the skin. And we treat it like it's normal because these are normal people. These are people walking around us, and, <clears throat> you know, you wear your skin like it's your armor or your the way you present yourself to the world. So, mm-hmm. you know, we don't want to make people feel bad about what they have, but we want uh, want to help them. And I think that's part of it, too. It's really like, you know, you 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 are brought into the story of somebody, like, changing, potentially changing their life. Right. And so it, 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 it's a feel-good thing. Yeah, so, you know, um, yeah. I noticed that you do work on the homeless, uh, and I, was, I, I maintain – that uh, you know, we always talk about discrimination, disparities in terms of pigment and gender, but mm-hmm. I always believe that physical appearance trumps all in terms of discrimination. Like even a racist yeah. will find Holly Berry sexy because it's just like that. We are trumped by attraction. And if you talk to anybody who has had acne when they were a teenager, yeah. that is a that's a hell of a burden to have, uh, and and and. I think that leads to a lot of bullying, marginalization, and is that – I mean I don't know. I just – as somebody who had uh, like pimples when I was a teenager, yeah. I I hated it. I mean I'll tell you there are so many instances where we'll see patients in the office, little kids that come in that have one or two pimples, mm-hmm. and their parents bring them in because they themselves had bad acne. Right. They don't want their kids to go through that because they remember, mm-hmm. you know, and this is a formative time in our life. We're trying to just figure out who we are and yeah. how we fit in the world and be able to relate to other people. And so if you have bad acne, it really affects your personality or who you become. Dr. Lee, a pleasure talking to you, even if I can't watch your videos. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get you to watch them. Don't worry. We'll work on you. Awesome. Thanks so much. June 5th, 2019. Shut up. A catchy, catchy song or what? This is Greg Gutfeld. This is the one. We're going to talk about a worldwide phenomenon. The most successful song ever written in the history of music. Co-written by yours truly and some guy you may have heard of named John Rich, who's part of the dynamic music duo Big and Rich. Uh, John, how are you? You've now written a song bigger than Happy Birthday, Greg. Way to go. It is incredibly catchy, isn't it? It's like it's better than Happy Birthday. It, it is very catchy, and I, like you, am completely shocked <laughs> at what has transpired in the past seven or eight days on this song. Are, are you now? Do you check it uh, every morning to see how it's doing? You know, I check in on it. Uh, I mean, you've got artists like. Uh, Katy Perry and Blake Shelton and Taylor Swift and all, you know, the biggest acts in the world. And I looked up, you know, it was a few days ago, I looked up and we were literally the number one (laughs) most downloaded song of any genre of music anywhere on this crazy little song that you and I wrote. Yeah, it's it's, it's insane. It is, I don't think, it's kind of funny because you know, it wasn't just it wasn't just you and me. It was, I mean, like Dana, like, it was kind of like Dana's idea to record something from me because I was at the, when we did the bus tour a couple of years ago and I was be, I would be drinking 
and writing these insane college, uh, 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 country songs about being on the bus. And she said, boy, you should record one of these. And that would be – and it was so – and she was kind of the person – she was the um, – who's the dude that helped Elvis? She's the um, – oh, God. Isn't that – He's the, she's Dr. the colonel. Nick. She's the colonel. No, <laughs> Dr. Nick. He helped him in another way. I'm thinking of, yeah, the, the colonel. He, she's the colonel behind Elvis. Right, right. <laughs> you're, just, you're just like, shut up, Greg. Shut up, Greg. <laughs> shut up, Greg, about country music. That's the next song. Well, I'll tell you what, Greg. The, you know, the thing about country music uh, and the reason it's so big is because a lot of times in country you'll write songs that say what everybody's thinking. Right. And and then it has this catchy music around it or a clever way that you say it. Mm-hmm. And and then everybody goes, bingo, that's exactly what I've been thinking or wanting to say all this time. Not not unlike like a great comedian or somebody that might say a joke. You go, yeah, that's how it's always been. I've never heard anybody talk about it. I think you and I put, were able to put into a little song how people feel about not being able to watch an award show or a mm-hmm. game or a movie or a TV show or anything without there constantly being some kind of political angle involved with it. And you just feel like screaming at them going, please shut up about politics. I just want to have fun for a minute. That's the best. What you just did now is the best description because I do get the pushback of, oh, man, but you talk politics every day. And it's like, yeah, but I'm in my I, – I, that's my job. I would never go on the five and start tossing a football around because it would be embarrassing. So it's like uh, right. the, we, we, all we're saying is we don't like it. Politics has an importance in a place, but it shouldn't be, it, 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 like you said, in award shows or at sporting events or at the – I mean it, it can be at Christmas dinner if people are engaged in it and like talking about it. But to be that freshman from college who has to go lecture, you know, Gramps who fought in a few wars about American imperialism, shut up. Right. I mean, think about this. We're already divided as it is. If you if you can keep from talking about politics all the time, yeah. guess what, Greg? Yeah. You might actually have friends out there who might disagree with you on politics, but they're still your friends. Exactly. But when you can't do anything fun, recreational outside of and, and, and keep politics out of it, then there's no place to ever have a good time with your fellow American that might disagree with you about things that are political. Mm-hmm. So that, that to me, that's what's really unhealthy about it is that it's, it's 24 seven, everything you hear, see and do mm-hmm. has got some kind of political angle to it. And so shut up about politics is exactly how people feel. Yeah. And of course, just to remind everybody, all of the proceeds uh, go to the charity folds of honor. How much money do you think this has made because I don't like I don't know the financials behind downloads and things like that. How much money do you think it's making for this charity? Well, every time somebody downloads it, it's ninety nine cents, and there are no there's no fees, uh, so it's it's a hundred percent of basically a dollar yeah uh, per download. So you know if we do a hundred thousand downloads, that's a hundred thousand dollars. If right. we do whatever number we do, that's the number. Um, and I just got an email today, man, from uh, over in Europe saying that there's there's music networks throughout over there that are being asked to carry shut up about politics. And I haven't even heard of half of these places, <laughs> but they they want it, too. You know, so uh, it's going to continue to grow and build. Folds of Honor puts kids through college who lost a mom or a dad in combat or, mm-hmm. a, or a spouse through college who lost their spouse or is 100% disabled. So 
our little song, Greg, is actually going to be uh, having serious impact in real people's lives in this country. It's going to be great. You know, I, I, believe me, I support that 100%. I'm just wondering, if we didn't do charity, are we talking like beach house money or private jet money? <laughs> Uh, pro- probably nice vacation money. I don't know. It's only 99 cents, you know, and I think I, I, who knows what this thing does over time. I mean, you're probably like me, man. I can't believe every time I turn around, there's another radio station or somebody playing the song. I, I just had Portland, Oregon call me and say, Hey, we're about to play a show up about politics. Had the same thing happen in Dallas, Texas this morning. So now terrestrial radio is starting to pick it up and run with it so you just never know how much it's going to make i do think you know the you know the message was simple but also i mean the melody like i, I when we were talking about it i was you know i was going it ha- this is the me- this is what it is but you created the actual like obviously the hook and the melody uh and that's what makes it so sticky like it, it it's very it's a very like people say I, th- I remember when dana when i first played it to dana on the phone when you sent me your rough and the, and she had said like I it's stuck in my head and it, it it's a very weird thing that you can create something that gets stuck in your brain it is a biochemical reaction like your brain just latches onto it you know yeah it's like an earworm you know yeah. I mean it, it's uh, I've written over two thousand songs since mm-hmm. I've been in country music so I've had a lot of songs recorded by other people mm-hmm. and the ones that always work are number one lyrically there's something everybody is thinking or wanting to say and number two. The music and that that beat and that pulse, it just gets stuck in their head, and it's something they want to be stuck in their head. This song's fun to think about. It's fun to kind of have rolling around in your noggin. (laughs) I mean, I'm probably going to be asked to perform this God knows how many times in 2020. Can you imagine? Oh, my God. It's going to be the theme song. It's going to be – yeah, amazing. Yeah, Yeah, it's going to be great. Well, let's do it again soon, brother. You got it. Have a great day. Shut up. Take care. (laughs) See you. Bye. To listen to the full episodes and for more of The One with Greg Gutfeld, go to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.